0: Welcome to the Remarkable Dentist Podcast with me, Fred Joyle, where I interview amazing dental practice owners digging into their successes and failures, their insights and hindsights, getting their views on where dentistry is going, and discovering what it took for them to become remarkable. Welcome to the Remarkable Dentist Podcast. I am here today with Dr. David Rice, who is living in St. Petersburg, Florida, and he's started in a really remarkable company called Ignite DDS. And we're gonna talk a lot about that as well as the arc of his career, which has been very interesting. So David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Fred. Thanks for having me. How are you?
0: You know, I'm I couldn't be better. I, just as an aside, I did uh, an ice plunge yesterday in Big Bear Lake. Uh, it was about 40 degrees. And my Apple Watch said that my heart rate went to 174. Uh, <laughs> I think that might be too high. Um, <laughs> so uh, so. David, give us give us the bullet on Ignite, because I want people to know, you know, the, the the large thing that you're working on. And then we're going to talk about how
1: you got there. Sure. So what, I'd love to. What's Ignite DDS? It, we're a giant mentorship community. So although we work with dental professionals of all ages and sort of all lanes within a dental practice, our focus has always been the young dentist, the dental student, the future of dentistry. And, um, it's really cool. We're, we're this community of built, you know, kind of within homegrown. We have young dentists who really run everything with myself and Kevin Henry's on our team who kind of runs the team side of ignite. And it's, uh, we're about 32,000 strong. Now we're all over the U S and Canada and kind of branching out in different countries. It's been an amazing journey to be here.
0: Uh, so, and Kevin Henry is uh, was originally the, the the Kevin Henry I know came from dental economics, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Kevin started there, and he was a you know editor extraordinaire.
0: Yeah, he's he's been he really knows the industry, and and a, a wonderful guy as well. But uh, and has contributed a tremendous amount to the industry. I'm, I'm very excited to hear that he's part of Ignite, um, and. So so, what does somebody get out of Ignite? I, that's, I think, first of all, 32,000, that's that's great. And I love that it's the Canadians get to play too. I'm sure they appreciate it because they, they're constantly complaining about being left out. It's like, why can't I buy this? Why can't, well, why can't I get this software? Well, because you got 400 different PMSs up there in Canada. You know, you can't get it, okay? We're sorry. Uh, or, we, or your money's no good here. Something, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so what's, what's uh if I'm a young dentist let's say I'm graduating from from Tufts out of Boston and I'm I'm going like now what what do I do
1: yeah so I'll tell you I think what most dental students today aren't all that dissimilar to I was 20 I'm gonna say this too loud but 27 years ago when I graduated and we're alone you know we walk in we have this amazing circle of colleagues and friends that surround us and support us. And then we walk across that stage and in an instant, we're overwhelmed and alone. So, you know, that's where we kind of carry the ball. So we love to build relationships while students are in school, so they know we're here to educate, support, and connect. You know, ultimately we're here to connect young dentists to the very best people in the industry. And you and I know them because we've been in this industry for an awfully long time. So we we have this, this filter and we know who the top 10 percenters are, maybe who the folks you could try to avoid in this giant ocean. <laughs> so, you know, that that's my primary role. You know, every day we get probably 20 young dentists reaching out saying, I need help. And it can be in any one of these spaces that you might imagine uh, a dentist who's just getting started would need. And, and our job is sometimes to be that help and Oftentimes just to say, hey, that's not me, but I know a great gal or I know a great guy. And let me make the introduction and and they can help carry the ball for you.
0: So it's a combination of dentists who are the uh, the 32,000 is a mix of a lot of mentors all all around North America and beyond now. I'm sure the Australians want in as well. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and and these people so they can join like they're they're in year one in uh, D1 as they call it and they can they can participate they can you're inviting them in to ignite DDS so so they're not you know it's it's a it's a well understood axiom that you learn nothing about the business of dentistry in dental school and if they offered courses in it, you wouldn't take them because it won't help you ca- pass your boards right but then as you say, it happens in an instant that suddenly you're a business person, mm-hmm. you're, you know, of some kind one way or another, whether even if you're an associate, you're an associate with a business with a, usually with a PC. Right. And you'll probably recommend that they are that like you need to become a corporation and they go, well, what kind? I, you know, I'll never forget <laughs> the, the, the time I was at a meeting many years ago and this attorney was explaining the absolute basics of uh, corporations that they needed to form if they were to shield themselves. And at the end of it, he said to one of the the dentists, he said, so do you you understand the difference between a a C Corp and an S Corp now? And the dentist goes, oh yeah. He (laughs) says, do you think you could explain it to your wife? And he says, and he really hesitated and then maybe. So, I mean, and that's and this guy probably was in practice 15 years at the time yeah. or, or more, you know, uh, so there's there's so let's let's run down the list of what they don't know. Give, give me the, the, the checklist of, of uh, the giant maw that they are leaping into of the yeah.
1: dentistry world. Yeah, I'll tell you, we, we may need seven, eight days for this, but we know. Not, I mean, so I'll put it in terms of myself so I don't offend anybody because it's the same for every student who walks out today. We know nothing about running a business. We know very little, if anything, about being a leader. We have a team of people who are relying on us and whether you're an associate, you know, an employee in a, in a bigger DSO group, or you actually have some sort of ownership, the team's looking to you to lead. So that's that. Now add to it where we are today, right? Look at the last year and a half and realize that last year's graduating class, as well as this year's graduating class, they're coming out with 30, maybe 40% less clinical experience on top of the whole practice management space, the legal space, the HR space, and the leadership space. And oh my goodness, there aren't enough postgraduate programs to house all these new grads who are so far behind in so many spaces.
0: Yeah, that's I hadn't really thought about that that much, but they're they just haven't been able to get the 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 live hands on training since COVID hit. Uh, They were they were basically, you know, it's one thing to you know, if you're in the sixth grade, you're studying from home. But if you're about if you're going to you're supposed to be spinning a handpiece for a living uh, and, and diagnosing real people and conditions. Uh, you need to see real people. So, so they, they've got even more to catch up on. That's uh, a challenge. So, so how are you, are you able to help them with that? Are you able, able to say, look, you need to uh, assist for a while or, or just w- walk into this practice and say, Wh- whatever you need me for. I you, We know they got to get their hand speed up, right? You know, that they didn't, they don't graduate with, fast hands you know their their crown preps tend to tend to be take two or three times as long right as a as a as a career dentist a, a dentist three years out so they're not blazing through the practice at all they they still they're it's an apprenticeship really i think is the best way to put it and and they they've got to get that and so I, so a part of what you're doing is saying guess what you're an apprentice we are going to find you somebody to apprentice with like any craftsman, any anybody taking on a trade, so to speak, you need to learn from a master and, and how do you pick a master? That's the, the, the challenge. So, so how, how are dentists getting, I, I know dentists love to help so in general and they love to educate. So I think that I can see why they participate in ignite. But how how are you recruiting that? How are you approaching dentists to mentor?
1: Yeah, some awesome questions. So I mean, the good news is part of our recruitment strategy is we've been around nine years. So we've got nine, you know, almost a decade worth of dentists who are out there. And we spend a lot of time and we know them well, you know, we really, which is one of the coolest things to say, like, hey, I have 30,000 friends out there, which is Nuts to <laughs> say, but we know some of them are, uh, some of them are prosthodontists, periodontists, surgeons, you know, um, they play well in the implant space. So we really try to niche people where they have inherent strength and and um, extensive experience and, and let them run in that lane and connect people in that lane. So that's a really great way to get mentors for us. And, and then the other thing we do is we, we kind of built two programs that are super helpful. One, are our study clubs, they're a small group. We max them at 15. We connect them with clinical mentors. And these are, you know, these are amazing dentists. They're Panky trained, they're Dawson, Spear, Kois. They're, they're, like you said, they're educators at heart and they want to help. So, you know, we, we try to fit the right young dentist into the right study group, the right mentor. We bring them all together, you know, four different times a year virtually, so they get to kind of learn from one another. That's one big lane that's been really, really helpful. And then we built a lot of, um, hands-on courses for them. And, and, you know, the past 10 months, those hands-on courses have been at home. So we, you know, some of our industry partners, basically like we're sending models where, um, uh, they have hand pieces, right. They're either in school or in a practice or a postgrad program. We're sending materials and we're doing exactly what we're doing now live. And we're walking people through the process. And now that we're kind of rolling out of this, we're starting to do more in-person, hands-on courses. And I think the last piece is we're, we're going into practices and, and we have a really short list of clinical dentists that we're doing over-the-shoulder programs. So a young dentist can maybe tackle something that is well beyond them, but they have the seasoned pro who's working with them half a day, full day, two days. And they're just fast-tracking their clinical success that way, which is you know, ultimately uh, just a different model of how I learned it back in the day with guys like, you know, David Hornbrook and Mark Montgomery and uh, Dorfman, that whole crew, you know, it's, it's getting in there and doing it.
0: Yeah. And, and those guys in particular that you mentioned, and there's many more of them that the half the advantage is not just them teaching you how to prep a tooth or or uh, an implant or do any kind of restoration it's listening to them talk to the patient it's listen it's watching them move through the space because that's a lot of so much of it is is how you go from operatory to operatory and and then of course and how you get into rapport with the patients it you know i tell people if you, the best thing you can do is find when you come out of dental school and this is what ignite really has become i you know i probably started saying this 20 years ago people would say well what do i do when i get out it's like find the best dentist you possibly can and suck spit offer to just work in their practice for three months and just watch and listen mm-hmm. because there's a reason why they're really successful and it's not just their hands it's part of it but everything that they're doing is working and they probably learned a lot of it the hard way over 15 or 20 years or they learned from great educators 10 years in 15 years in a lot of times because a lot a lot of people don't really get the good clinical stuff going till they're 10 years in um, but now of course they some of these dental schools are using cad cam already they're they're coming out of school Hopefully, understanding how CEREC works and things like that, and they're they're coming into a new age of technology. Um, so let's go back to David Rice, young dentist. How did you start? Because you didn't have this. Mm-hmm. So so what did? How did you uh, keep from starving to death?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will I will tell you. I was. Um maybe fortunate enough to be a really good observer so i i looked for i sought out dentists who i who just made me feel like everything was possible and sometimes it was a clinical everything was possible sometimes it was on this leadership and business side everything is possible i i had a, a great mentor uh, a dad of a friend of mine who was totally outside of dentistry who taught me um, exactly who I wanted to be when I grew up as a leader of a team by example? I, I mean, man, if we have time, I will get into the story. But witnessing him in action and the authenticity and the integrity and just who he was to the you know the people around him was priceless. So.
0: I want to hear more about that. I think that I think every I think everybody would benefit because leadership is such a a difficult thing to learn and yet you must learn it and it is it's not something you're born with. The number Mm -hmm. of born leaders is like one out of every 150,000 in my mind if that okay Uh, and it's because they had really good leader dads or moms or both Um, uh, but it, it is it is a lifelong I'm still learning to be a better leader. I look back on on my leadership skills, you know, midway through 1-800-DENTIST and and they were severely lacking. Uh, and because nobody taught me anything about yeah. leadership. Well, you know, I bumbled into the entrepreneur world without any any of those skills. Um, so tell us, tell us about this person and, and
1: why and how you learned from him. Sure. I'll tell you the story. I think it'll be like really blatantly obvious to, to everybody who's watching and listening. So his name is Denny, Dennis. And the picture of this is literally, you know, I'm, I'm in school. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is like the last rush. And then you get to go be with family for your, your long weekend. So I shattered him in his business, which happened to be a women's headwear company. So he did faux fur hats, scarves prior to that being in vogue, he, you know, for him, it was a principal thing. You don't have to love that at all, but that was kind of lesson number, subtle lesson number one. He chose a business based on what he really believed in. So now imagine he has all these sewers, and these are people who, you know, they don't earn a lot of money. And again, it's Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so I watch him throw this really big Thanksgiving lunch. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. But there's probably a lot of people who do that. And then I watched him, um, you know, everybody got, you know, a turkey and two bottles of wine and an apple pie or a pumpkin pie. I thought, wow, that's really cool. These are people who maybe can't bring that to their family without his help. And then something really cool happened. This is where I learned it. It's it's after this whole big event, there's still a couple hours left to work. And and picture, um, everybody picture like a you know, sort of a, a private office of, 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 the, of the boss, and then there's this big outer vestibule, and I'm sitting in that outer vestibule with his assistant, who's the sweetest woman. Her name's Adele. I'll never forget her face. She's like 80 years old at this time, had been with him from the get-go, and out walks this um, seamstress crying and all I'm thinking is, oh, my God, it's so the day before Thanksgiving. He just threw a party and he fired somebody. Yeah, your expression <laughs> friend. I was, that was me. Wow. Totally me. I'm like, whoa. And, and Adele looks at me. She's like, what do you think happened in there? Like, I think Denny just fired somebody. Oh, my God. I thought he was this great guy. She's like, I'm going to tell you because he'll never breathe a word of it. He just wrote a check for next semester's tuition for her daughter because she couldn't afford it. It wasn't a loan, it was a gift. And Denny does things like that for everybody here. They're different based on what people's, what they need in their life in that moment, but that's who he is. And, I, and Fred, I will tell you to this day, that man has never mentioned that to me out loud. Hmm. Not one time. And I thought, that's, that's the kind of guy I wanna be and grow up to lead like.
0: Oh yeah, how, how fortunate for you to see that yeah, and, because that resonates with you. And it's uh, that's a lesson you can learn the rest of your life and carry it uh, into every day. Uh, and but it's a leadership thing because then there's there's a we could mine that for the leadership lessons for two hours. We but just the fact that, that there was he wasn't doing posting this on Facebook. OK, yeah. this he wasn't making an announcement in front of everybody. He was doing it privately. Yeah. He was doing he, he was completely leading with his giving hand at saying, uh, and saying, first of all, he knew what she needed. He had found out what it was she needed. And 100%. so and he was and he and what he said is, these are my people. I have, it is my responsibility to provide work for them uh, and to take care of them. To, to to be the one who is who really knows and understands and can help them. The loyalty that he must have engendered with that is that's the other big lesson is you, you want team loyalty, you want people who will who will follow you off a cliff and and you know and they're not going to steal they're not going to embezzle they're not going to take your trade secrets to the competition then you ha- there you can't even get them by offering them more money to come work for you they go ah, I, don't, I don't that doesn't sound like enough I, I i really like it here you know that's what can happen so and of course you can do that in a dental practice um, All day. yeah yeah um so who else is involved? Are there non-dentists involved? Are there, you know, guys like me, you know, the average Joe's who in the dental industry? <laughs> just, you know, we never went to dental school. We don't you know. Doesn't, there are, no, no initials after our name
1: at all, really. So, Well, um, you, if you look closely, I penciled mine, maybe crammed mine in. I'm not even sure if it's penciled in. They might be crammed in, but absolutely. We have... You know, amazing people, you know, lots, lots of mutual friends of ours, you know, guys like Jonathan Miller, who's, tr- you know, and she's a tremendous resource for young dentists in a, in a first practice space, whether they start up or they acquire um, attorneys, uh, CPA. Yeah, because
0: Jonathan came from the banking industry, from the dental division of Bank of America. Absolutely. So, so he knows all those twists and turns, which are significant. So Mm -hmm. with any small business, but every, every business is different. And if you're dealing with banks that have that division, you want to jump through the right hoop. So that's great.
1: Yeah. Lots of folks like that. And, and, you know, for the, for the seasoned pros who are watching lots of people on the side that can then really help you too. So our job is to prepare these young, you know, dental pros for your practice. I, I think I'd like to believe our job is also to help the seasoned pro understand Who's coming into their practice and and how to best onboard them and and best ramp them up for success. Um, because we all think differently. So um we've got folks on the social media side who are just masters uh and in all different spaces that 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 really round out this crew. So it's it's a nice, it's a nice little community of people all working towards one end game, and that's make our profession better tomorrow.
0: Okay, so now David Rice, DDS, has, has rolled out uh, and, and he's started a practice. Where
1: did you start? Uh, what, what city and, and why? Great question because uh, also one of my, not, not regrets, but if, I, if, but if I could go back and do it differently, something i do differently. So I started off after my postgrad grad program um, back in Buffalo, New York. I was an associate. I, I went through a couple practices um, th- th- for good reasons. I kind of left people who I thought maybe didn't have the integrity that I, I wanted to have one day. So but I learned who I didn't want to be. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Are
0: you yeah. suggesting that there are <laughs> dentists who, who operate not at the highest level of integrity? Because I'm, that's, uh, that's news, news to me. And so I got to I got to process that.
1: Take take one that take that to the bank. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are some people out there. Yes. You know, they're good and bad in every profession. But yes, yeah, so that was my associateship. I, I finally found um, the right practice for myself, which was a really good lesson if you're a young person watching and it's it's have a strategy. Everything you do should be done with intention. So I knew I was looking for a practice to purchase. I positioned myself. I showed up and was present at lots of events where I knew people would see me and meet me. I didn't know anything, but at least I was there. I had a shot. And and then, um, you know, found a practice where the dentist was open to mentoring me to sticking around for a year he didn't really treat patients that whole time but you know he shook hands and handed out cigars and kissed babies and you know letting people know that i was the right person to take over and that's you know the whole goodwill piece that's so incredibly valuable and and not always there and and then one day
0: yeah yeah, well i'm gonna stop there because that's so important because there's a lot of people in in some level of transition they're acquiring a practice if, if you're to me there's a powerful lesson in that you want to be able to acquire a practice and have the dentist willing to stick around and essentially promote you to the new patients it's like look I have found my replacement for you you can count on this decision because I have vetted this dentist for you that's a big difference between that and here's the keys and and the difference is and the stats are out there is when it's here's the keys you lose 30 percent of that patient base in the first two years they just they go somewhere else or they just never come back to you so you've bought a, a, a practice that's got a discount attached to it that you that maybe it didn't factor in so be looking for that dentist who feels as, who cares enough about his patients in his practice That he wants to make sure they're taken care of, and that's he's selling it to you with that in mind. So, really, really important lesson with all of the transitions because there's a lot of dentists reaching retirement age out there now. It's a pretty big number, isn't it?
1: It's a huge number, which is which is great. If you're a young dentist, there are you know I know you're thinking you know it's COVID, the whole world's falling apart, but this is a tremendous time. be a young dentist because there's so many people who are exiting dentistry and dentistry has been really good to an awful lot of them so having that conversation to your point fred of hey can you stick around not to take the production from me so much but to help walk me through this process and and, you know a lot of good-hearted people are happy to stay and help
0: yeah, and I think they realize also, oh my gosh, I don't want to sit at home all day. I got can I, I don't wanna necessarily spin a handpiece, but I I like going there. And, and these are these are my people, these are my patients, you know, and and my team still. Yeah. Um uh, so that's that's an important part of, of the whole transition. So so you now you buy a practice, you so you and, and you're off and running, you're off to the races. There's no more problems after that.
1: Not one. <laughs> Not one problem.
0: Well, and and you picked Buffalo. You picked uh, Buffalo, New York, um, which I, I I've never gone up that high in America, but I hear it snows.
1: Um, it's it, just a little from, you know, <laughs> July to May now, <laughs> no. you know, so it's, I picked Buffalo. I will tell you, I, I love Buffalo. Buffalo has been very, very great to me. It's a wonderful town for healthcare. However, I picked Buffalo because it's where my family was from and I love my family and that's a good reason, but it's a bad overall reason because in my heart, I'm a warm weather guy. I'm an ocean guy, which means, or meant every day I woke up and I was sort of missing this thing. So I loved my practice. I loved my personal life, but I was missing something, you know, so, you know, silly me waits till, you know, 48 years old to decide to pick up and move 1500 miles away and then create the longest commute in dentistry. So I would encourage everybody out there to, you know, sit back with your personal vision before you worry about this practice vision. Are you a mountains person? Are you a, an ocean person? Are you a city person, a suburban person? And start there. Start, we're going to wake up overly joyed every single morning to wake up and, and be where you are.
0: Yeah, because it's really, you're going to be there one way or another for 40 years. Okay. Or thir- 35 to 40, or maybe more. Who knows? I mean, that, that we all know dentists who are, 75 76 77 they're still doing one day a week in the practice and they will continue to do that so uh because it's satisfying to them it's it's a place to go it's a it's a and it's a great thing to be able to do if you get you can get kind of hooked on helping people making them healthier it's a it's hard to replace that when you stop uh, but yeah it's. Figuring out where you want to practice is not just a, a haphazard thing or, or something that you get led into. Now, it may be that being around family is the most important thing, right? It doesn't, you don't care if you can surf or not. You care that y- your brothers and sisters and parents and nephews and nieces and, are, are all around. Fine, Th- then you can, that that's where you should be practicing. But if, if, if you're drawn to a different climate, a different environment, maybe, I mean, I know dentists who nothing makes them happier than the fact that they're, they're in Idaho and it's 30 miles to the grocery store. Okay. And, and then other dentists like they're in, they, you know, in midtown Manhattan and their entire patient base comes from a two block radius, you know, and, and they couldn't be, couldn't be happier. Maybe this was a rough year for them, but Manhattan was where they wanted to be. They wanted to, and, you know, they, and they, as a dentist, they could afford to live there and they could have a, you know, a high-end practice on, on Central Park West or something like that. So it's, it's really good advice. And I, you know, I love this, all of this because I know what's happening is your, your young mentees, uh, I don't know what happened to the word protege, by the way. I, I want and turned into mentee. That sounds like a, a sea animal to me, but that's just a, my own, you know, I, I get hung up on words. But, uh, but I, I can, that they're hearing these things because so many of us, and this, it's, it's across the board, we don't hear these things till we're 45 or something like that. We go, man, I wish I knew that at 17 or 22 or even 30, you know, so just a, just a beautiful thing. So, so eventually you uh, uprooted and, and uh, left uh, the Buffalo practice behind.
1: Yeah, I did. I know for me, and this has been a really cool journey. So I scaled it, you know, I went from one dentist to two, to three, to four, and I, and, you know, I'm a big fan of if you, if you do it well and everybody communicates well, I love having people around me. It felt the energy in our practice was amazing. And then, you know, three and a half years ago, Anastasia and I said, Hey, let's, let's go to that warm weather in that ocean. Let's do that. And, you know, I fly a lot already from, you know, the whole speaking side of the, of the industry. So I thought, I'm like, I'm on a plane 30 times a year. What's being on a plane 40 times a year. It's not that big of a deal. And you know, did that whole commute for you know, a good two and a half years, three years, really, till COVID hit. And, you know, that, this kind of changed direction. But, um, you know, you pivot, you learn. You know, we have, there were four dentists. So how do we build that so we can maintain that structure? And I get to make that commute and the practice still gets to thrive. But I, part of that was me transitioning out as an owner and going full circle back to an associate. So the leaders could be present full time, mm. and I wasn't a disruption. You know, I was I was helpful, not hurtful.
0: Yeah, you weren't the the, the uh, do, doing the drive-by leadership. You know, just pop in occasionally and and uh, create chaos. Generally exactly. speaking, yeah. I mean, they, they in, in an environment like that where so much is going on and there's this and it's so personal because between the patients and the team members that they they want to feel like the leader is there. I think that that's another great lesson that you learned is, is can I make this transition and, and downshift to an associate? I actually don't know if I've heard of people doing that, but so I I love the idea because I mean, it would certainly could do that at, at 65, but you said, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, Course correct my Buffalo decision here, Uh, and so so this is how I do it. So so brilliant, brilliant move, and also uh, you had the team in mind when you did it, so uh, so you you were able to execute it. So uh, and so let's look at. uh, I love asking people what they think their biggest mistake was, or and they they generally come back and go. Wow, that's a very competitive list at this point in my life. You know, you uh, give me a category? You know, exactly. Because uh, because we all we all got here with uh, not without scars, right? But they were uh, usually instructive. So, can you think of of like it doesn't have to be the biggest mistake you you ever made, but like good enough, like a big enough pothole that you that you just went, wow, that 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 took the wheel and the rim right off, so. uh, Sure, plenty
1: of those, (laughs) plenty of those. I'll tell you the one that like sort of immediately comes to my my mind because I feel like it's a really universal one if we're all being uh, honest and open about it is um, there were plenty of times in my career that I should have said, I should have asked better questions and admitted that I didn't have the answers to the questions because I could have learned so much more instead of trying to avoid looking foolish. And I think the most productive people in life, probably the happiest people in life, are people who are just, you know, wide open. I don't, I don't know the answer to that or help me with that. Could you, know, could you show me why? Or when someone says, do you understand? No, I, I don't understand. And I, I, I leaned more towards, oh, yeah, I got this. And instead of learning more than I could have faster. So it took me longer to get where I wanted to go.
0: I think I share that. I think the hardest thing for me to say for many, many years was I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was my responsibility to come up with some answer yeah so I became really good at creating answers that sounded right and weren't necessarily and often were disproven over time <laughs> if not <laughs> immediately by somebody else in the room that went you know I just looked that up on good Google ruined me and right people could check right away it's like no, that's you know, Argentina is in South America. He doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Um, but yeah, that's a that's a very powerful thing. I, also, I, I hate feedback. I, I and I know I need it. It's it's painful me to for me to get feedback. I've learned to ask for it and shut up and take it. But man, it, man, it was hard. I would like to kill the messenger most of the time when that <laughs> happened. Uh, that was that that was very satisfying to me uh, because that absolved me of any responsibility for the feedback. But yeah. So if you can develop that active listening and, and don't know everything, you'll actually end up knowing more. I think that's, that's, that's really powerful. And you know what you'll, succeed more because oh you don't, you couldn't possibly know everything. You didn't come out of the womb, you know, with, you know, knowledge, you know, you, you were pooping yourself, you know? So it's important to remember that like, we're all learning all the time. And if we're not, we're in trouble. We're, we're stalled. And, and if you're in a plane and it's stalled, there's the net result is, is crash and burn. So uh, it's only a matter of time. you can only glide so long. That's so <laughs> I'm milking the heck out of this metaphor I know but uh, so what's next for you? I mean you're uh, ignite is rolling you're you you guys are on track. Uh, you've transitioned out of your practice to uh, the, the a junior level and uh, so so is, is there some? Other greater vision out there. What's what's the grand scheme beyond this? Or you know, is I, this is a pretty massive transformative purpose. So I'm not challenging it. I'm just a, you're a dreamer. So I'm gonna you know see if if you've uh, if you see over the next horizon.
1: You no, know, I short answer yes. I feel like we still have a lot of digging to do with ignite. So you know that's a lane I'm gonna be in for. I, I see myself in that lane through my seventies. If you said, is there something else that's a come down horizon? I have this crazy notion that like my next side hustle (laughs) is got um, nothing to do with business and and everything to do with trying to um, just contribute more to, you know, the community of people around me. And, you know, I see, you know, I'm in Florida now. So I see lots of people who uh, it's not like Buffalo. You don't, you know, you don't hang out in the streets cause it's too cold if you can't afford to have a home. But in Florida, I see so many men, women, kids. I mean, these are like they're late teens and early twenties and they're kids and they're out there. And I just feel like this gut thing inside me that says when I can get Ignite to this really amazing place that I got the practice so our team is firing all cylinders. And my role is to continue to help people be bring the vision beyond where I can see it. And I feel like my next job is to uh, try to just be there for the people in my community and figure out if in some teeny small way I can make life a little bit better or inspire them to maybe want something different for themselves. I know it's like way more complicated of a, you know, psychological and social psychological issue out there, but I just... I don't know. That's, that's where I see my last stop's going to be.
0: Well, it's pulling you, which is interesting because, you know, it'll, it'll take shape. The, the fact that you're not clear on how you're going to do it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, the, the mission itself or the vision or the desire to do that, I think is, is really great. And I, I what I see about you, I think is, and I'm not sure where you picked this up either. So I'm going to ask is you seem to be, really strong at delegating, like finding, willing to find people. You're not like, I can do all of this. Let me, let me, let me run the show. That doesn't seem to be an urge in you.
1: Not at all. And, you know, a lesson, I learned it quickly the hard way, thankfully. <laughs> but, you know, early on when um, Mark Wendling, so Mark and I, Mark was my associate, became my partner and we are like 180 degrees from each other. We're philosophically the same human on how we want to treat people. Um, but I think our, our, just our styles of everything else are different. And I remember in the beginning thinking like, why is this guy now? Like me and I'm a thousand percent sure I would walk out of the room and Mark would smack his head against the wall and think if he could just be remotely like me, he'd be better off. And then one day, um, you know, we both kind of looked at each other and I'm like, wow, I'm so much better at this leadership when, you do all the things you're great at. And I do the same things I'm pretty good at. And together, we're really good at this. And then when we brought on another dentist, we realized this is so much better if we just lean on each other. So thankfully, I learned that lesson in my early 30s. And um, it burns me sometimes. But it's I think the the big picture of it all is it's it's the greatest move for me. And what I'd recommend to everybody.
0: Yeah, that when you learn, many many people fall into the trap of they hire somebody exactly like them. They, yeah. they, they it's like a, a business full of replicants, and that's not helpful. That's a, what you, you're a person. All of us with strengths and weaknesses. Find somebody who has different weaknesses that that are not that, you know you you've got those strengths and they're covering your weaknesses. I always. I always needed a CFO because I I was never going to run the numbers on any scenario. I was going to paint the grand vision. And then the CFO had to come in and go, you're not talking about this week, right? Um, and then my COO would go, okay, this is how long that'll actually take. I know you think we can do it in two weeks, but realistically, this is how it's going to happen and this is who, and it would be great because I could be the visionary, but I I couldn't drive the crane the the train right off the edge on my own you know there were there were people and 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 i had the same thing my partner in 800 dentists was we were philosophically completely aligned but he was a master salesperson and and really understood the how to how to create a culture from a very personality oriented side and i was really strong in the advertising and communication side like but and just even like in in a sales pitch i could never do the same sales pitch twice right i could craft it so that it was getting the best message across but i i had to freestyle it it was just the way i was going to go once we had the pitch down they wouldn't let me do sales anymore because gary could do it exactly the same over and over and over again because that's what worked and so uh, because of it, we, we learned to trust. It. It's like he said, you do that and I'll do this and together we'll do the stuff that that, we, that needs to get done. Or we're going to find some people. We're going to, you know, find somebody to replace, fill this other gap that neither of us cover and then eventually obsolete ourselves. That was the other thing It's very important. It's like you got to there's somebody better than you at, at everything. Yeah. And w- when you learn that and when you let your ego go and say, I want I want people better than me, smarter than me at everything, it, it changes everything for you. And, and because of that, Gary and I just we we had this this trust and this gratitude for each other and the, and the contribution that the other person bought. And we also learned the, the, the power of partnership, the power of collaboration. Um, learned it all the hard way, millions down the drain, (laughs) learning it. As you say, you don't call it right. One of the hardest things, you know, and everybody, I I think the message it's important to put out. If I were talking to young dentists, I'd say, you are not going to hire right every time. Okay. If you do it 70% of the time, you're crushing it. Okay. You are, you are in in a one percenter in terms of it. It's, we're, if we're doing 50, 50, most of the time we're doing, we're doing really well. It's really hard to find people. So, uh, and, and how, how do you help people do that? I'm sure you, you have some thoughts on that as well. And how, how do you figure out how to hire?
1: Uh, You know, I think you, I'm always looking for people who are just Highly motivated, you know you can you can teach people to do anything. They have to come with the right attitude. They have to be thirsty for it. They have to want it. And step two is you know build a program that continually coaches people along. Don't don't just let it randomly happen. Trust people implicitly, but verify and um, and get out of their way. That's it. That's the recipe.
0: Yeah, it, there's never it's never going to be so much set it and forget it. It's like you have to keep growing them. You have they have growth is what makes their job satisfying. You know, and, and a lot of times they're not in dentistry, they're not going to get promoted, right? They they're, they're, they're right. going to be in that position. So it's more important in in our industry than than a lot of other industries to say We're gonna, you know, you're an assistant. We're gonna get you extended function training. We're, you know, you're you're doing this. We're gonna teach you to do cancer screening. Screening. We're gonna get this new technology. You're gonna learn how to assist me on that. That's gonna make their career interesting, Um, and because it's because they're never gonna get promoted to dentist. (laughs) You know, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's a weird thing about the industry, but it's you know when you, when you accept the reality, uh, it's, it's a heck of a great place to go to work every day for it everybody. It, uh, it, it can be. And I, I think that's, you know, if dentists know that and you say, look, as a leader, you can create an environment where the patients are appreciative of what you do. Your team is excited to come to work every day and you are fulfilled because you're making a tremendous impact on your community. That's not easy to find, You know, that's, you know, how many jobs are like that? Um, so, uh, thank you for all of this, David. Is are there, are there any other, any parting tidbits of wisdom that you would like to pass on to, to dentists in general? And, and of course, you're still looking for mentors, right? You're always looking if so, uh, Tell me, tell me what, uh, what you want to say to dentists out there who are listening, who, who this appeals to them. They go like, well, I would do that. How do I do that?
1: Absolutely. No, I guess parting words are love what you do. If you don't love what you do, figure out what you should be doing. And if you are all interested in bettering the next generation and kind of together we rise mindset, which is what we believe in, please reach out. Um, you can reach me, Rice, at ignitedds.com is my email or at ignitedds on Instagram. Probably the two easiest ways to reach me, but please do reach out. And, and Fred, thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Yes. And of course, this will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to find him and you'll be able to find Ignite DDS. We'll have the URL there. Um, And uh, thank you, David. It it always excites me when I see somebody who's who's taken their career and, and found something that has just tremendous impact and so uh this is one of the reasons why i was so eager to have you on the remarkable dentist bycast because i think what you are doing is is very uh powerful and and you come from just a generous place uh and so i admire that very much in you and uh and i hope that other people can be inspired and see that dentistry is a platform where you can you can make massive changes to and have tremendous impact on the world it's not just and and there's nothing wrong with just doing it in your own community but you if if you want to dream big the the launch pad is built for you so uh david is a great example of that so thank you david and to everyone else out there keep being remarkable and of course Subscribe to the podcast and like it and do all and share it and do all that stuff that podcasters desperately crave and need to to keep alive for some reason. Uh, But anyway, thank you all for listening and uh, see you on the next podcast.